All right, we are live with Jason. How are you, buddy? Hey, everyone. <laughs> Long time. I don't know that I've I ever know. been on an actual, like, uh, formalized video chat with you before. We haven't. I know we've talked on the phone, we FaceTimed before, but I don't think we've ever done this. No, I don't think so. I think this is a first. I'm very excited to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Um, if you don't know Jason, uh, pretty big deal. I know you got a huge podcast now. I've been following your podcast. Uh, <laughs> Couple, I have quite a few questions. I know you just did like an interview with like Gary V, um, which I know most second people, in, second interview. Oh, two interviews. Okay, I know most yeah. people pay like a quarter of a million dollars even to speak to that guy. So how did how did you land something like that? So, I know the head of team Gary V at the time was a guy named Andy Cranack, who's now the president of V Friends. Um, he's actually the one that got me started in Facebook ads, believe it or not. Uh, when I had my clothing business, I met him. He told me Gary's starting this thing called Facebook ads. Anyways, not to <laughs> divert from the conversation. Uh, we, we kept in touch and I went to Gary's office and there were a bunch of other people there. And Gary was talking about starting podcasts, be on a podcast, do a podcast, do a podcast. So everyone's listening, writing notes, and I'm not shy. So I said, cool, I want to start a podcast. He's like, awesome. I'm like, will you come on? And he's like, no, I'm, 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 I'm busy. And everyone around was shocked that I even asked that question. And to me, I'm shocked no one else asked that question. Um, so he said, no, I'm really, really busy. I'm like, yeah, totally get it. It will be on your time, obviously. So whenever you're free, like, come on. He goes, he goes, no, like I'm booked till next year. And this was like in, in like March. Yeah. I was like, like, no problem. 2021, 2020, whatever you want, like whatever, whatever is free for you. Like, we'll book yeah. it. so he goes, you're not going to, you're going to, he looked at me and he's like, you're not going to take no for an answer. Are you? I said, <laughs> Gary, if, if I paid you for a consulting meeting right now, would you tell me to take no for an answer? And he smiled at me. He's like, all right, do 20 episodes and I'll come on. So I'm like, all right, cool. Do 20 episodes and email me. And I'll come on. And I said, okay, cool. So uh, I went to, I knew, I also knew like the head of his business development, the guy at the time was Alex Simone. And I would try to get Gary on, like I was, I had a book concept that I wanted to do. And I tried to get Gary in the book. Alex was good help, but it just never was a fit. So I went to Alex and I said, dude, Gary told me to do 20 episodes and I should reach out to you and you'll get him booked and you'll get him booked. Right. Which is not what happened. It was email Gary, which I knew that would probably go to junk mail and take forever to do so yeah. Alex is like, yeah, that's awesome, dude. Congrats. I knew you'd get him. Um, yeah, do it. I did 20 episodes, emailed Alex. Next thing you know, I'm in threads with with uh, with it, with his assistant and everything. And and I'm flying to New York oh, to film in, his, film in his office. And then on the podcast, the guy says, and Gary goes, yeah, you know, me doing something like this doesn't really benefit me. But if this clip, that's why I film. If this clip gets 20, if this clip gets a million views, then that helps me for content. And I go, and that's how you get podcast number two. And yeah. he smiled and goes, exactly. That clip ended up generating over 2 million views. Oh, really? one, of the clips, one of the clips ended up generating 2 million views. And Gary Tudor's word, kept his word. Yeah. And, and around uh, a couple of months ago, I went back to film episode number two. Is that the biggest name? And I think you did, Um, I don't remember his name. He's uh... So I've, I've had some, I mean, Gary, Grant Cardone, Damon John. Yeah, uh, Gabby Bernstein, Rebecca Minkoff, um, Mark Jay Zuckerberg, Abraham, sister, Jay, right? Abraham, Jay Abraham, Randy Zuckerberg, Harley Finkelstein, president of Shopify. 
Yeah. Can you get Mark? Can you get a Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> so we can <laughs> ask him some questions. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure this group has a lot of questions for Mark. I'm sure there's a lot yeah. of questions this group would have. We, we'd be, this would be your highest ranked video right now with, with questions uh, have from here to tomorrow. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Viral. Oh my goodness. Well, the real reason we're here today um, is to talk about a thing that's, you know, been near and dear to my heart, the agency world, but also it's become more of a headache as time goes on, especially post iOS. I don't know if, if you guys are all seeing the same thing, drop comments in the threads, but seems like since iOS margin squeezing interest, inflation, you know, businesses are struggling a lot more. The pressure on the agency world, pressure on media buyers has just, it's at an all time high. Um, in my opinion, it's become more stressful to work with clients. And I know you have a very good philosophy and good outlook on, outlook on this. So the reason why we're here obviously today is talk about why agencies are failing and basically how to make make it successful and what things that you have done internally. I know before before we jumped on, we talked a little bit about, you know, some people have different mindsets of how large they want their agency to be. I mean, I've worked in both, you know, the seven figure and the nine figure agencies. And it's, there's a lot of headaches that come with working in the bigger agency life that you don't have in the smaller agency life. But then there's bigger headaches of it takes, you know, six weeks to launch a Facebook pixel with an event code versus you can do it in 10 minutes uh, in the smaller mm -hmm. agency world. So really interested to dive in and kind of get your takes on this and kind of what you have implemented and kind of what, you know, you're, you're I know you do some coaching as well, but kind of what what that looks like for you and, and, and what you feel those reasons are and, and, and how you make your agency successful. And obviously it depends on your goals and your outlooks, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, loaded questions there, a, a lot, a lot of questions there. So let's start with, with number one, which is why are agencies failing right now? Um, I'm not one that, that says things with, with a sugar-coated uh, topping. So I'm going to be blunt as blunt as possible. Most agencies are failing right now because they suck. Um, yep. that's, that's the honest truth. I think we've had a lot of, uh, agencies pop up, uh, when things were going great and it was super easy to get a five X return on platform and every, and you could show your client the five X return on platform and yeah. everyone and their mother was jumping up and starting an agency. Guess what? Landscape shifted and you actually had to know business. You actually had to know marketing fundamentals and you actually have to understand the principles of marketing. The ones who did were able to navigate the waters through iOS 14.5 uh, with email with iOS 15. They were able to navigate those waters. Don't get me wrong. Everyone had a learning curve there. I don't care how good of a marketer you were because we just didn't know what the impact would be, right? Everyone took a couple of months, three months to navigate that field. But the ones who did stuck with the marketing principles and they educated their client. They walked their client through it. They walked the client what they were looking at. They weren't just so focused on on-platform metrics. They understood how it played into a bigger picture like MER. They understood uh, lifetime. They understood all these different metrics that we spend more time educating our clients on than actually what's going on in the ad account. Because um, I believe an educated client doesn't leave. So when all that happened, guess what? We had a lot of great button pushers that made a really good living for a couple of years taking money from clients because it was super easy and anyone could do it. But they were not marketers. Let's not fool ourselves. They weren't marketers and they weren't business owners. They took advantage of an opportunity and there is nothing wrong with that. As long as you were being ethical, great. 
come in. It's like the people who made millions off selling masks online. And now they're wondering what happened to their business. The landscape shifted and you don't know what to do, but good for you. You made $12 million selling masks online. That's incredible. But the landscape shifted. So why are most agencies failing right now is because they're not good and they don't know how to generate results and they don't know how to educate their clients. And they don't know how to do it. And if they're what they're, they're if their visibility is only their on platform and that's what they're at and they're great manual bidders or great technical media buyers, but they don't understand marketing and the principles and the foundations, which is what I preach are the fundamentals. If they don't get that. Well, then they're dead in the water. What do you, what do you call those? Um, that I don't even, I don't know the name for them, but obviously you have an entrepreneur. So somebody that's constantly starts businesses like drop shippers and then it phases out, then they go to masks and it phases out. Then they jump on. They start. Would you, would you classify them as an entrepreneur? Sure. I, I think some of the, some of the best entrepreneurs, you look back and you, and you see their success of how they started. They took advantage of an opportunity. They learned to sell, whether it was they traded baseball cards at a time, and then they went into something else. Yeah. Th this isn't to hate on them. It's the ones that didn't adapt and they don't know why they didn't adapt. And they're still trying to take money and they're, and they're, and they're bitching and moaning and complaining that iOS ruined their business and that they ruined their clients' business. We have clients that are doing better than they were before iOS. Right. So, I mean, it's, those are the ones that complain and do it. And those are the ones like, look, times are going to get even tougher. Let's, let's, let's really be doom and gloom. iOS was bad. We're about to be hit with a major recession. I hope I'm wrong, but you're going to have a lot of businesses yeah. that just can't afford to pay for marketing. That's the first thing they cut. That is the absolute worst thing to cut, but it's the first thing businesses cut because they're not smart enough to realize that they need that the most. And yeah. guess what? You who now was so big on showing them 5x returns on platform. Now you're showing them 1x returns. You're going to get fired no matter what, whether it's your fault or not. You just didn't do a good enough job educating them. Yeah, it's all about. But yeah. So, so again, it's not to hate, hate on those people. Yeah. There's a time and place, but then they're going to have to either A, learn how to do real marketing, learn how to leverage that and, and do something, or they're going to have to find something else. And hopefully that next opportunity opens up a door for something longer and go. But definitely don't hate on opportunists as long as they're being ethical about it and they're not trying to cash grab or take advantage of people during, during times. I have no issues with it whatsoever. Yeah. I think a lot of those people like that are drop shippers just get a bad name because usually they, you know, or use drop shippers as an example, they usually mark stuff up, mm. you know, and it's a little more expensive than you can get, you know, I don't, I don't know the word I'm trying to think of the word for it, but it's, like, but that's it. But that's it. Like, so I, the hate I have for the dropshippers is that they ruin marketing, right? They, they, ruin, they ruin ads, right? Dropshippers kind of ruin Facebook ads for, for, for a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. But the, the hate was that I think some of the hate's just unwarranted in the fact like, yeah, so they found products and were able to market up. Guess what? Your $250 Nikes don't really cost $250. The markup <laughs> there is probably more than any dropshipper has ever marked up their product. Yeah. But that's business. You find a product yeah. and you're able to market up, right? You find... You know, you find good talent in your business that could do a good job. And now you turn around and sell it as a service for a higher price. So that's, yeah. that's, that's how business works. That's how commerce works. Uh, now you should be looking to buy the truckloads of the Yeezys. So when they come back in two years, you can <laughs> just start stockpiling that. Yeah. yeah. So what, so I a hundred percent agree with you on the, on the failing part. I mean, I, as an agency owner and being, doing this, how long I've been doing this, I think 14 years, 13 years, how long have you been doing this for? So I, the agency side has been for around, um, I think we're on like year eight right now, year nine, okay. year eight or nine. 
But before I ever took a cent from a client, I actually had my own clothing brand. So I've been running marketing for my own clothing brand. I, I spent a ton of my own money before I ever took a cent from a client. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that I ran for around, for around like, like seven years before I did that. So all in all in business, probably we're looking at around the same, same time, like 14, 15 years. Yeah. And I think that's the big, that's the big thing I noticed even coming in and sitting with people or talking to them is a lot of the media buyers nowadays, again, not hating on them. Everyone started, I started somewhere. I mean, I, I have a master's degree in exercise physiology. I went to school to be a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Never thought I would be doing this. Everyone has to start somewhere, but a lot of the people that are coming in now, especially in the big agency worlds, they've never ran a business and don't understand those metrics. And I think if you've done that before and you can kind of like cross pollinate and correlate that with the agency side and, and the, your customers as an agency owner, and you know that, and you understand expense and, and those metrics, um, you know, I think that's what makes a really, really good media buyer and somebody that can run and own an agency, especially if you've, owned a business and had your own employees. I think you look at it and treat it completely different. Um, I agree. I, I don't think I was the most skilled media buyer when I first started. I just understood that you didn't have to be the most technical media buyer if you had a really good offer. Yeah. If you spent more of your time crafting an amazing offer, guess what? It doesn't really matter what your technicalities are. I'll beat any button pusher or any, any manual bid strategy. And look, our mutual friend, Tim Bird, Godfather, man, the guy, the guys come up with so many cool ways of, of running Facebook ads. They work. There's a, and there's a place, there's a place for that, but longevity of things, the right offer to the right market, like, and the right messaging, unbeatable, unbeatable yeah. survives, no matter what's going to happen in the landscape, yeah. whatever happens with an algorithm that survives. Well, yeah. It's, and it's kind of funny too, because we get a lot of, you know, we get a lot of people that join ad leaks, which this is being streamed in. And, you know, we have a lot of people that come in and then they, they cancel right away. And, you know, it's a small percentage, but the biggest complaint that we see on that end, and this goes back to what we're talking about is being able to adapt is they say, well, the content in AdLeaks is out of date. You know, the marketing principle is sound. Like Tim Bird's bowling method from seven years ago isn't out of date post iOS. It still works. The marketing principle is there. It still works with the algorithm. All of those things that he built are still 100% relevant. It's just, you have to understand higher level mentality of like, like what we were talking mayor of how, of how you have to shift on your measurement piece, which you get a lot of new media buyers that come in and they're just looking for. It's almost like they're looking for you to give them like a, a blueprint and say like, this is how you do it. That's not really how it works because it's so unique and you have to be able to be able to adapt and understand business to know how it works. Do you know what I mean? I mean, hundred percent, which is why I started my coaching program. Cause so many clients that weren't fit to be like so many prospects that weren't fit to be clients just didn't understand those principles. Yeah. So I want to teach those business fundamentals, but the same way, like that's why I never made a course. And I started a coaching program because the coaching program is evolving with you based off your needs tailored yeah. towards what you want. A course, guess what is what worked for someone six months ago. We know this landscape. You and I have been in this landscape mm-hmm. for a while. And, and the people listening, and I'm sure have been bu- media buyers for a long time and understand the platform changes so fast that by the time you're watching right. that course, you're watching someone else's thing that he sold you that worked back then that now they're working on something else. And they're going to mm-hmm. sell you that without, that's worked back then. So courses, there's trust me, there's a lot you can learn in courses. I think even the worst course, worst course on the planet, you could find one thing that you can learn from that could help you make a lot of money. 
So that's yep. the same thing with, with ad skills. Maybe the course that you're watching is, is the wrong approach right now, but there's the philosophy behind it. But because you don't have those business principles or those marketing principles, it doesn't matter what those tactics are. You're still going to get, you can't, a lot of people just want the done for you, the magic pill. Mm -hmm. I want to join ad leaks. I'm going to watch a video. I'm going to learn <laughs> step-by-step step what to do, and I'm going to make $10 yeah. billion. Dollars. But yeah. that's what that that's why the course industry is, is so big because people think it's going to end. There's a reason why most people never finish any courses. Majority of people who buy courses never finish it because halfway through they're like, oh, I got to do work. I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect example. When I was a kid, I loved magic, love, love, love magic. And so there was a magic store and, and I was like, okay, there's a cool trick where someone gives you their ring, you take the ring off, you make it disappear and then it reappears on your shoelace. And I'm like, this is incredible. If I learn how to do this, this is awesome. It's a great bar move. I could go pick up women. I could, I could learn a lot of cool, yeah. cool things like that. And then I realized that to do the trick, you got to go get your pants cut. Like you got to go to a tailor. They got to cut your pants, create a line in your pants so that when the ring goes in, it slides through onto a fake shoelace that goes snapped onto a special shoe that, that goes onto the. So it's <laughs> yeah. like $300 in tailoring your pants to do, to go do this. Yeah. Trick. And I'm like, but I feel like that's a great metaphor for how people run Facebook ads or, or any media buying. It's like, okay, I'm going to go, Oh, Facebook ads course by this person. Oh, I'm going to run it. And now I'm going to make millions and be like, Oh wait, I got to have this. I got to have these assets. I got to go do this. I got to now invest in this. What a waste. This doesn't work. Ad leaks. What a scam. What a yeah. scam. It, it, it doesn't work. You're, what are you telling me? I need, I need, I need five pieces of content to test. I don't have any content. Right. I thought I could just take a picture and, and, and put it out there. What yeah. do you mean? Like, so yeah. I, 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 that's like the same, the same type of principle. Every time I hear that, I'm always reminded of that magic trick. Yeah. And that, I, uh, I love Chris Angel. I used to watch, did you ever watch mind freak? And all uh, 100%. That I learned how to do the quarter in the, in the Coke can from him. Like I have, I have his how to magic DVDs by Chris yeah. Angel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His son, he just his son had a like a big cancer thing. I don't know if you saw that. Like he had a. Oh no! One that went but through. I used to love my. I used to love Mind Freak. Yeah, so good. I wish I could see him live. I've never seen a live. Uh, I, I loved mm -hmm. him. Um, but then okay, so let's let's correlate this. You have the media buyer side, which we just dialed heavy into, and then you get a lot of these agencies. Like we'll take Nick Shackelford for example. Amazing guy, one of the smartest, yep. brightest. But we know he doesn't run ads, right? He leads a team, yep. he leads yep. the growth. So at what pivotal point when you go from growing to, and I'm sure you're the same way. I know we talked to you have mm -hmm. a team of like a dozen, obviously you're not in the day to day. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and you have to find, and you have to build that right team with the same mentality you do, which can be hard because it's hard to find. Let's be honest. We all know if, if anybody in here runs a business or owns an agency, it's about next to impossible the last three years to find good quality people to do the work. How do you set that up for success when you're stepping out and you're pushing that to the, to these other people? How do you build that? One is I truly believe the media buyers I have are better than me are technically better than me. Um, so full faith in them. I believe my biggest strength is from a strategy side and a macro side, again, comes down to the marketing principles. I think that's where I've truly excelled, but I can mm -hmm. find definitely tech, more technical people um, it's the biggest holdup for, for entrepreneurs who want to scale is who can I find that could do a job just as good as me? Yep. And the answer is, the answer is no one, 
And not that no one could do your job as good as you, but one is no one cares as much as you do. Yep. So the second you hire someone, no one's going to care about the business, the clients, the same way you do. So no matter what that growth, you're at a disadvantage, no matter what. You got to be okay with that. Like if you have to understand your goal, if your goal is to be, Hey, how much money can I make just as a freelancer, take on 10 clients myself, just be an ads manager. There's ways to set it up where you don't have to be an ads manager 24 hours a day. I don't care what any media buyer says. There's no re reason for them unless they're really day trading and spending a lot, a lot, a lot of money. But even now there's stop loss rules, there's stop gaps. There's a million different things you could do to, to take a break from there. But if you want to grow, the only way to do it is to, is to trust that no one's going to do it as good as you. And you're right. You're at 100%. You're going to have to have three people at 80%. And you're going to have to be okay with that 20% sacrifice because that 20% goes into other efforts of you growing the business, of you doing other things. And guess what? You're going to do sales. And no one's going to be as good as you because you understand the business and you're so passionate. You're going to hire a salesperson who's only interested in commission and whatever. And they're 80% of you. But you have right. to be okay with that. And you, and, and, you have, and you have to grow. Like, it depends what your goal is. If you want to grow, that's the hardest part. We're, the hardest part for entrepreneurs, we're in our own way. And we're like, well, I can't find anyone I trust. That's a you issue. That's not an anything out there issue. But like anyone who comes in my coaching program is like, I can't grow because I can't find anyone decent out there. Right away, I know it's a mindset thing. There's no way on the planet, like we have so many access to so many different ways. You could hire contractors even to start. You could do a million different ways to, to start. There's no way you can't find talent. How no one's as good as me. Where no one's as good as me. Like, I mean, that's a mindset thing. Yeah. Where do you find and where do you find those people and how do you vet them? Uh, There's one, like, like we have this, especially, and I know a lot of people like the ad buyers job board. We have a job board if you're not familiar with but there's a lot of people in there that you'll see that are there's actually we've come across like a scam and there were the guys like teaching a, some guy teaches a course and part of his course is actually going in and all of these people come into the job board and they use the same post to try and hire and we found their we found their technical wording and we ban them right away yeah. but how how where do you find it i mean it's you might find them in the job board do i think you're going to find a jason portnoy a Nick Shackelford. No, I think a lot of them are running, you know, probably their own agency, their own business or doing their own thing. No, but, but you'll, but you'll find the next Nick Shackelford. You'll find the next, you know, Justin Brenner. You'll find the next Tim Burr. You'll find the next person in there. Like, I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but to me, it always sounds like an excuse when, when you can't find someone mm -hmm. we live in, like you have LinkedIn, you have many, like, you a you may not know how to train them b you're hoping that you could just hire someone right off the bat that's going to take your business to the next level they're going to be the most amazing person media buyer in the world yeah. right but you want them at a newbie price point right yeah. you want them as if as if you got to train them so again it goes back to the you every time i hear that and this comes up again and like that's why i love the coaching side of things because it's it's you like let's let's address you for a second like are you are you looking in the mirror and being 100 percent honest with yourself of is this an excuse? Yep. Where LinkedIn? You don't like Ad League's job board? No Ad Buyer's job board? No problem. Go, go, go on LinkedIn. Go here. Go, go into go into like marketing groups and and listen to media buyers and and ask them if they know anyone. Go 
go reach out, go ask for referrals. Maybe a media bar you know knows somebody or they've just lost the media bar and they want to go. Guess what? There's going to be a lot of media buyers that are going to be looking for jobs in the next two years when we hit a giant recession. There's going to be an amazing job to scoop up people at, at a fraction of the price. Right? You're, you're going to be able to get good people. You just have to be realistic of that. You want tier A talent, then you're going to pay tier A talent. Yep. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you're starting off and you, and you want to build an agency, but you want that tier A talent, you could afford to go out and hire it right off the bat. Great. I actually don't think that's a bad strategy, to be honest with you, because they start building out the systems for you. They start building out the training for you. They train the next person that comes in. Right. You, you're saying you're, you're going to be our media buyer, but you're also going to be the head of media buyer here ahead of media buying here's an extra five thousand dollars or whatever it is you're going to be involved we're going to you need help we'll bring on a junior junior media buyer you'll train them now guess what all the trainings have to be recorded oh you have those documented as as an sop now in your business and great that person leaves guess what you now have a training manual for for how to run how to run facebook ads so i don't think there's anything wrong with doing that but if you want to start off and pay someone fifteen hundred dollars a month got to be realistic with what you're going to get. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to train that person. In the beginning, you're going to have to spend more time. It's like yep. our first hire, the, fir the first real, real hire that was the hardest for me was my assistant. Because I thought I'd hire an assistant, my life would be easy. For the first three months, my life was harder. I had to show every little thing that was going on. Everything I did took me yeah. like three times as long to do it because I have to record it. I have to send it. And then I have to monitor if she did it well and I have to do all those things. It took me. But once you get over that gap, it's amazing. Same thing for any business you own. Like it starts with you. And mm -hmm. yes, it's hard. You're going to have to spend time training people. It's going to take long. But as you grow, you have those systems in place that end up training and you get more and more disconnected from it and pulled and pulled out from it if that's what you want. What, what do you use for those systems when you're building those systems and processes? Yeah. So, I mean, our tech stack is, is, is very simple. So we use Airtable for creative, like for like approval and, and whatnot between client, client and us. Uh, Slack for all communications. Our clients are in Slack, media bars in Slack, everything. My whole life is in Slack. So that's it, how do you run. ever have any clients? Do you ever have any, any clients that don't use Slack, but want to text or use Facebook Messenger because they don't know how to use Slack or they just don't like Slack. Does that ever come up? Yep. And what, how and do you we, respond? We use Slack. So if you want to communicate with us, it's inside Slack. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, it's the way we work. Yeah. Trust me, if Warren Buffett call, if they called Warren Buffett, and I'm not saying I'm Warren Buffett, but if they called Warren Buffett and Warren Buffett said, hey, I'm willing to teach you investing principles, but you got to go on this new, uh, you got to go on, you got to go to a payphone in order to call me. How many people <laughs> would find a payphone to call them? You, you, you do what you need to do. Like I am, and the ones that push back are the ones that just want to push back for the sake of pushing back. And you're already showing me that you're difficult. Yeah. Right. I tell them, you want to email me? No problem. Don't use Slack. We're going to invite you into Slack. You want to email me? No problem. You may not get a response. Yep. I like right. I have, I have an away message at all times on my email that says, Hey, if you're a client message me in Slack, B, if, if, uh, if this is personal, you should be texting me, uh, text me. If you don't have my number, this can't be personal. And three, I check my email periodically. So if you're a lead email, this person, if it's super important, because I check Actually, my email periodically. When you say that I was emailing Nick the other day and he, he has a thing on his, and I've never seen this before, but it sounds a lot like what you have. He has a, a disclaimer at the bottom. He says, I only respond to emails from like 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Monday yeah, through Friday. But, 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 but 
but that's what I do. So a lot of it is training your clients, right? Like a lot of the times that any client that I've had that's ever been, you know, a little bit out of bounds or, or acting a little, it's, it's my, my fault because I don't do a good enough job training them on, 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 on how to respond. And so I set it up like Slack is there because it's for your benefit, not for mine. And I tell them that for me to give you 24 seven access to me, the media buyer, everything like that is a disaster, right? Like that's a disaster, but we do it so that you always feel that you have a line of communication open. And when they do that, guess what? They email you a lot less. They don't email you. When you give them email, they email you 10 times a day. When you give them direct access, guess what? They, what are they going to message you? They don't, they don't want to message you. They, they feel like they actually communicate less with you. So, so many people are afraid to put their clients in thinking they'll take advantage of it, but they don't. And we set it up, you know, we answer Slack 9 a.m. to 4 to 5 p.m. Uh, keep in mind, you know, we try to answer things as fast as possible. If it's urgent, just tag us as urgent and, and whatnot. We have different ways to communicate. So that's our, that's our channel, Slack, um, Airtable, which is, by the way, we have automation that go into Slack from Airtable. So our internal channels get notified when, when a creative is ready. They get notified when the creative is up. Um, Asana for any project management that's internal. Uh, Google Drive, where we host all of our SOPs and, and, and whatnot and any training. And then we use Notion as our wiki. So like, instead of going to Google Drive and looking for the SOP on, how do you give a client access uh, to business manager, for example, we go in Notion and we have like a, a, like a little wiki there that says SOPs. We type in, it's under Facebook, give client access or onboarding SOP. They click on it and it's embedded inside there. So that becomes like our, our internal brain, but everything's hosted on, on Google Drive. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that's, pre- that's pretty much our tech stat, uh, stack. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty a lot of what we're even talking about myself. Like you get so busy of doing other things, even... You know, you don't build out yeah, your it, it's, the level it's, that you it's, need it's, to be. It's hard, but I mean, there's ways to make it easy. Like there's a great tool like Scribe. Scribe dot, dot is it IO? Something, something like that. Uh, it, what, it, what it is, is like you click record and you do whatever you need to do. And it literally creates a step-by-step SOP of what you're doing with screenshots. I'm mm-hmm. like, he clicked select. He clicked Scribe, add buyer. He clicked all that. It's, it's a... It's a really cool tool. So if you don't want to invest in building SOPs, like that's a great way to do it. Record it once, and then you have a PDF that lives forever. It's free. So it's super, super easy. Uh, the problem is you just don't have the video. So I would do a Loom video while you're doing that at the same time or a screen record. So you actually have the video. So all of our SOPs have a video plus a step-by-step guide because uh, people learn in different ways. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, to go to go back to answer your question, really, it's it's this is the way we work. And so it's baked into our contract, you know, ends there. There are no hidden things. You're going to come in Slack. And, and if they're like, we don't want to use Slack, we want to use email. Guess what? Like, email causes so much confusion. There's loss. There's a million threads. Things get lost. You, you have so many emails that pop up here. Everything's there. It's accountability. And I say not just accountability for you, but I need accountability on my team. So yeah. the owner of a business emails me and is like, Jason, I'm super disappointed with your team. It's been awful working with you. This is an awful experience. I'm like, what are you even talking about? No one responds to me. I'm like, okay, I don't want to be CC'd on every email. So I'll stop that right away if that happens. But I I don't know. I don't know what you're busy emailing. The same way if a client DMs a media buyer or someone in the business, what I'll tell them them right away is respond inside the channel. There's no DMs. We do not allow DMs between media buyer and client I, or anything like that 
everything was, goes responded back into the Slack channel. I was looking for a way to block that because what I'll, what'll end up happening? You can't you can't without turning off DMs as a whole, and I I don't want that. Well, see, we have a separate Slack channel for like we have internal, and then we have paid internal. And then if yeah. they have a paid Slack, if they pay for their Slack, then they get put into our internal. Then you get the Slack connect. And Otherwise, everyone you, you, you could do it for that. But yeah. I couldn't find, because that's what ends up happening is, you know, I'm not involved and I try to stay out of everything agency related as much as possible. And then they DM me because they think I'm like the genius behind the scenes. It's like, no, the, yeah. the people that run stuff are smarter than me even. like I, I tell them, I tell, I tell clients a lot of time. I'm like, they're like, we want you on our calls. And I'm like, I'm like, we want you to run our ads. I'm like, you really don't. <laughs> yes. you, you really don't right now trust yeah. me like like you're not happy with this one you're not gonna be happy with me like yeah i so can you block can you block so you you can't so so we looked at we looked into that you would have to shut off dms as a as a whole and in like, the whole in the whole yeah so like there'd be no there'd be there'd be no dms whatsoever um Where do you do that at in slack i have because we have so like, like the non paid that would be fine. Because and, and, and I and I and I think you could do it for Slack Connect channels. I don't I don't even know if you could do it for your entire thing. I think you'd do it for like Slack. For whatever reason, I had my system look into this like a million times, and the answer yeah. was no, we 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 couldn't do it. And so we like yeah. we we like emailed Slack support and be like, allow us to to like turn off DMs for certain people inside the channel. But yeah. I even wanted to put an autoresponder. I was looking for a way to do an autoresponder that would just say yeah, me too. somebody DMs me. Hey, yeah. I don't want it to this channel. Please put this in the yeah. channel because I'm yeah. not going to answer you. And I yeah. couldn't find a way to do it. Uh, maybe there, I wonder if there's a way to do it with like Zap. The, the, pro the problem is it's then with anyone. So if someone on your team messages you, then they'll get but that auto response. Okay because the yeah. team messages the internal. This would yeah. be an external client. Exactly. Know. So so what I debated to like trying to figure out how to turn off all DMs, I created like anyone like my assistant who needs to DM me. That's not inter I just created a channel like Jason Megan. Right, like that's a channel in there, so yeah. that everything lives in there. And the good thing about that is, when I started to think about it, was if I ever switch assistants, if I ever need a new assistant, there's a channel with everything that we do in there mm -hmm. already, and it just yeah. becomes like Jason assistant channel. So mm -hmm. I don't even like DMs whatsoever. Yeah, my wife is in Slack because it's hard; it's easier to reach me in Slack than it is to reach me in, in text <laughs> and by text. Like especially during the day, I'm I'm so busy. And so yeah. there's a Slack channel that's literally like my wife, me, and my assistant. And Ooh, she's like, well, can't, can't, we have our, can't we have our own channel? I'm like, no, because if you need to reach me, Megan knows where I am. So you might as well ask her, right? So, <laughs> so yeah. How does the wife like that? I mean, she, she doesn't, she's like technologically impaired. She doesn't, she doesn't use any of this. She, she, she thinks what I do is like, is like alien work. Like my crazy. wife asked me for her gmail password yesterday it's like i set you <laughs> up one password like i had will you change oh it? yeah it's like I, I gave i gave her one i gave her last pass because she kept losing her password she doesn't even know how to use last pass. it's so it, it becomes a big mess like so i, I just i just stay i just stay out of things so i set up as a channel like if you ever need to reach me and i'm not responding by text and, you, and it's urgent and you really need to reach me and you don't know what i'm doing megan has access to my calendar just go in here Here's how you do it. Just go in and type. There's only one channel for her inside there, so it's easy. Oh. She's never used it. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna post after this. I'm gonna post this. I'm gonna post an ad and see if anybody has a way or found a way to block DMs. I'm gonna research that more. I it's gotta be a way. I just can't believe we've it. we've reached out to Slack support. So if you find it, like we've heard no from them. So if if you find it, please let There's me know. There's gotta be too. a workaround with like Zap, like Zapier or something to work. Maybe. 
dm you they can fire off like a direct message back or something i'll do a po- I'll, I'll post i'm gonna figure it out no 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 i'm uh gonna figure it out um building building like so for your team for example with your setup in terms of do you guys structure like in the big agency world we're doing pod, they do like a lot of pod structuring so they'll mm-hmm. do like an analyst one media buyer one person from the creative team and then they only handle like two to three accounts like how do you internally structure your team i mean i think that's a, i think that's a little bit overkill like but this, when i'm talking when i'm talking this is like top this is like yeah i i, I get it like you're, yeah you're looking at the ogilvies and 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 whatnot yeah i mean because you need to because there's so much bureaucracy within within the clients that you're working with it's it's super easy i used to have it like set up where it was like media buyer account manager everyone and everyone like build this whole thing inside there and guess what the account manager would speak to the client the client would ask a, a question. The account manager doesn't understand any technical aspect of it. So it said, I have to get back to you. They go get back to and, and they reach out to the media buyer. The media buyer tells the account manager. The account manager goes back to the client. The client asks a follow-up question. The account manager doesn't know how to answer it and goes back. And it's like, what a waste of a call and what a waste of everyone's time. Like, this is ridiculous. So I sit there and say, I'm going to put the media buyer inside the Slack channel with the client. Any housekeeping, the media buyer is not going to be answering. But any question that's technical, the media buyer should answer. And we have someone in, inside the channel that will actually go to the internal. So for every client, let's say Justin is a client. We have a client channel and we have an internal Justin channel. The internal Justin channel is just our team yep. where, where we talk about strategy, whatever. And the client is, is front-facing. That, that's You're involved in that. So yep. someone will tag the media buyer inside the internal channel and be like, hey, this question popped up. You can answer it here and we'll go back and answer it or you could go answer it yourself. And our media buyer is in charge of, of doing that and, and answering the questions and whatnot because they're the best person to be able to do it. Now, if you have an awkward media buyer who doesn't know how to talk to people, who doesn't know how to do anything, then you do need someone that could, that could break that down a little bit and, and sit there and say and explain it. And that's where an account manager comes in. But I would hire, I would like almost make your junior media buyer the account manager. I yeah. don't think if you're running, most people I know who run agencies like that aren't big, we're not talking Ogilvy's, there is no need for account management, yeah. for an account manager. What size do you it, think? It, what, like, I want to say like, probably like D-Dang. I'm sure you know D-Dang. Amazing yeah, guy. Yeah. Right up. Probably, yeah. I love D-Dang. If I had to guess, I would assume he, he does. The, he, they do the pod structure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, he's I'm probably pretty sure ten to the, twenty million. I would assume if I guessed his size. Yeah, they they, they do the pod structure. Look, I, I love them. What point? So what point I'm, do you? I'm not, I, 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 no, I don't. I don't. I don't want to use them as an example. But let's say another agency. I also don't know what their margins are. Yeah, very easy. Like to sit there and say, "Hey, I'm doing fifteen million dollars," but if I'm doing, let's say, one million and I keep nine hundred thousand, and you're doing fifteen million and you keep Eight hundred seven hundred thousand. You have a nightmare job, right? Yeah. You you like you have operational drag. I created operational leverage. How do yeah. I systemize and automate my business as much as possible from an agency side of things, and then use that leverage to go start a coaching program to teach other people how to do the exact same thing or build the business of their dreams, right? So I work with ecom yeah. clients. I work with agency clients. I, I work with a bunch of different people. It's the business fundamentals. I'm more a fan of operational leverage than I am of operational drag, but it depends on what you want. 
If your dream is to build an 800 person age, I remember the first time I met, I'm like the same interview, same meeting I had with Gary when he told me to start the podcast. I told him, if you have to start Vayner Media right now, how would you do it? And he said, oh God, I wouldn't. So I, my heart broke because here I am just starting an agency. I want to grow it. And this guy's telling me, don't even bother. Right. So I'm like, I'm sitting there saying, well, okay, why not? Like I, I have an agency. I want to grow it. He goes, let me guess. You love the strategy. You love being inside the ad manager. You love, you love playing around and, and all this. So I'm like, yeah, I love it. He goes, guess what? When you have 800 people, you're in, you're in the human business. You're in the human management business. My yeah. day isn't. What, what campaign do you think we should run for, 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 this, for this season? It's Jim doesn't like, like Susie, right? And, you know, Frank is eating tuna at his desk, which is stinking up the office. And Bill just broke up with Catherine. And so they have to be switched off different accounts. Like that's the job of having a big, it, that sounds like a nightmare to me. Yeah. Like I barely like the people in my life, right? Like I, now I have to be responsible for 800 people. Like that's, that's, that's a, that's a big task. And, and I go back and forth all the time. I'm like, I could probably scale this way bigger right now. And then I start going through it and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to need this, this, and this. I'm like, well, the second I walk through that exercise, I'm like way better. I like to work with clients that are going to stay with me for a long time that are going to pay me handsomely. And, and I make great margins. Yeah. That's how you run a business for me. Everyone, everyone's different. I, I like someone listening to this right now would be like, yeah, but I want to grow. I rather make 10% and I rather have, I, instead of 40% net profit, I rather make, I rather make 10% and I rather grow this. Great. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Just not my cup of tea. I would have to hire someone else that I could, I'd have to hire a CEO for that business. Right. Right. How many in, in your internal structure? I know you guys are seven figures at what point would you think about as you grow and you do this coaching and i'm sure you coach bigger agency owners versus small agency owners at what point do you start to migrate and push them to that pod process that different formality of what you're typically used to that's a good question um i i, I think it depends on on the need of the client right like if if, if if it's really a good question, I I don't know. Um, but if I had to grow, I'd be thinking if you had a client that had a bunch of different people in, in different areas, right? So like the bigger bigger clients, like let's use Budweiser for example. You're not just dealing with Jim. Jim's not going to be the only person in that Slack channel because you have a bunch of red tape, a bunch of different people. You have a creative person. You have all this. You have a whole different thing. So you're going to need an account manager because you can't have one person bogged down. They'll never be able to run your ads anymore. Yep. Right. Also just be answering agencies. Like when you get to that level. Correct. So, so, yeah. so you need, so you need someone that could just, that's, that does the housekeeping, that does the maintenance of what's going on and understands it. And the, those big clients don't need as much of a technical reporting back because they either understand it a lot better than the smaller clients or they're yeah. judging things like, Budweiser isn't looking at ROAS. Like a lot of them care about impressions, right? Like that's what, that's what they really care about. They're running brand awareness more than they are direct response. So, so they start doing that. You don't really need those technical answers back so much. So you just need someone that could manage and answer questions and make sure things are all tied up nicely and everything's going on. That's where you have an account manager and they're probably spending, you know, 
a million dollars a month, let's say on, on ads. I'm just using that as a random number. Guess what? That's one person. It's a lot of pressure on one person. So you're probably going to need a junior person to support it because there's so much creative and there's so much to pump into it. So you're going to probably need a, a junior person. So it just, it's the same way people ask me, like, what's the first hire? The bottleneck you're facing. There's no right answer. It's what's yeah, yeah. your bottleneck to growth right now. Is it you're doing too much administrative work and you don't want to do that? Or is it you're doing too much an ads manager, but you rather do the administrative work? Like what's your what's your bottleneck and then solve for the bottleneck you're in? So as you're getting to the pod, you're going to have the bottleneck of these, these clients take up so much time that I can't have one meter buyer do it. And I can't do the account management because then I can't take on any new clients. Everyone wants those big clients. Mm-hmm. They're a nightmare. I spoke to people like I know people in VaynerMedia. I know all the big agencies that wow. have those big Nike Budweiser clients. It's not easy. It's not, it's not good. There's so much red tape. There's so much this, that. There's so, it, it takes forever to get an ad approved. It takes forever to do this. It's not, it's not as much fun as you think. And, and the margins there, what people don't, here's a, here's a big mistake agency owners make. They don't factor in their time and part of their margins. So they'd look at the price. Well, they're going to pay $200,000 a month. Great. But in the time that you spend servicing the account, can you get many more clients that could pay you combined close that with more margin and more time for you to go out and bring more talking, clients and run the business? Yeah. Now you're talking a whole nother issue. Like in most people don't have this set up, but like QuickBooks, for example, if you use QuickBooks, they have T-sheets. Yep. And you can create projects to assign to your clients. And then you have to have your team class hours to those projects, whether you break up the project by Facebook, email, Google, but then you can run the same thing you do for your clients, profitability reports. You can actually run your profitability reports and sign, Hey, I pay Jason 25 bucks an hour. He spends 40 hours a week. I'm only charging this, you know, client 2000, like we're losing money. And I don't see a lot of agencies do that. Number one, it's, and this is a, a, this is a you and a staffing issue again, like what you said, but it's hard to get your team to even do that and to do it faithfully because they have to do that faithfully because if, you know, at least somewhat close, because that also gives you leverage to go back. And, um, I was part of a discussion with the big agency side and there was one client that they went back after classing hours because they do timesheets for everything. They class, everything has to be classed. And they went back and they went to this huge client, probably top 20 NASDAQ, and they were able to renegotiate their, their retainers and fees because they said, look, we're spending all of this time. Like we can't keep doing all this work for you. We need to charge you more. And I think a lot of small agencies miss that piece of it is you can actually fire clients, find other clients that will take less time that you have bigger margins are, but it's almost like running Facebook ads with your clients doing your ROAS reports. You know, same thing. I, I don't even think it's an agency problem. I think that's a business problem, right? A business in general. I think yeah. I think most people don't look at employees the right way. Um, I think every employee should be responsible for at least 3Xing their salary. So if you pay a person $50,000, they should bring in 100. And I, I, I've heard people that say it should be 7X that amount, right? So they should bring in at least if you pay them $50,000 a year, they should be bringing in $150,000 worth of revenue to your business. Now, before I say that, you're going to tell me, how can an assistant bring in business? How can your media buyer bring in business? A couple of ways. Number one is everyone on my team is a salesperson. Yep. So anyone who comes to me for a raise, like my assistant says, hey, Jason, I want to raise tomorrow. 
I ask why, first of all, like maybe they deserve it, but you want to make more money? Super easy. I'll pay you the same commission I'd pay any salesperson. Like go out, tell people that you're working at Jport Media, tell them like Jason has an amazing coaching program. You you meet with people, you're networking, your neighbor sits there and tells you they have a business. Well, guess what? The guy I work for is you gotta meet him, you gotta work with him, and I'll pay you a commission on that. That's how you make more money, and you make more money than the raise I would give you, first of all, right? If you, if you did that. So everyone's a salesperson, everyone has unlimited salary potential. Your salary is capped, but what you make is unlimited based on what you bring to the business. That's number one. Number two is an assistant may not be able to bring in revenue, let's say 150,000 revenue, but if they free up my time that I can now go out and bring $150,000 in revenue, guess what? They 3X their salary. Yep. So I think every quarter, I learned this from a mentor of mine, and I, I think it's true, and I think it may sound harsh, but it's true. Every quarter in your mind, if anyone here who has employees, mentally fire every single one of your employees. Don't physically do it. Like mentally in your head, sit down and fire every single one of your employees. And then go back and sit there and say, all right, I fired Justin. He was my, my, my Google guy, my specialist. Would I rehire him? Like if I have to start right now, would I hire Justin? Yes. Why? Cool. He's back in. No. Cool. Then maybe you should let him go and, 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 and find, and find someone else and find someone else. Like yeah. using you as, no, I'm not picking yeah. you. No one should fire. No one should ever fire Justin. But Maybe not, but, but like lo looking at, looking at it that way, that that's kind of how you look at things. Like employees aren't there, there to fill a role. Your business has to grow. So hiring for the sake of hiring doesn't make sense to me. I look at it as minimum three X. If I hired an assistant and they're not freeing up my time where I could go generate three times their salary worth of business, I don't need an assistant. Yeah. I just need to learn how to manage my time better and do, and do, and do tasks that I don't want to do. Right, because that factors into my margins. That factors into everything. So one of the biggest things I'm a big proponent of is cash flow. Right. So how important is cash flow to you? For me, it's super important. So I monitor that. I measure everything. So you talk about systems every single day. My assistant sends me reports inside Slack. We have a channel called Reports, and there is every single financial about the agency, about the coaching program, every little model that I can look at. Because even if nothing changed, even if I didn't sign a client yesterday. I still need to see that nothing changed between that and yesterday. I got to fix that. If, yeah. especially if I have a goal. So if you're at a hundred thousand dollars on, on October 1st in revenue, let's say, or November 1st in revenue and your goal stay at 500,000 guess what? November 15th, you're still at a hundred thousand and nothing's changing in your, in your routine. You're not a good business owner. There's a problem. You need to, you need to change the strategy because you're halfway through the month and you're still there. But the only way to know that is, not halfway through the month, decide to check and be like, oh no, we're there. But I measure every single thing. So the same way I measure my cash flow, what's the increase in cash flow every single day. So I understand I'm working towards my goal and you can't fix what you don't measure. Yeah, makes sense. Nope, I've never thought of it. And you, don't, and, you, and you don't have to be a big agency. You don't have to be a nine-figure agency to do these things. I think, I think it's actually more beneficial for you to do it even if you're a two-man shop or a one-man shop because you learn how important these numbers are. I have an accountant and I have a bookkeeper. I still have a financial tracking sheet that I manually enter things into that not my assistant. I manually enter those things every single day or like truth is now it's more like, like twice a week or three times a week. I go in and I enter things. Why? Because it gives me my pulse on my business. 
Mm-hmm. And then I see my cash flow and I see the increase and I monitor all that. I'm involved daily. Like, cause that's an important metric to me. Like the growth of my business and the growth of revenue is important to me. So I don't abdicate that. Really good points, especially the hiring every three months. Like I've never thought of thinking it. I've never, I've never heard anybody portray it that way, but that's a really good way to, to think about employees, which makes my mind turn. Like, you know, I even see a lot of smaller agencies don't do like, who am I firing tomorrow? They don't do a lot of like, um, reviews, like even a reviews process. Like there's just, they're so busy running media that they forget about the simple business metrics. So they don't do reviews. So there's a tool that there's a, a tool called weekly 10. So weekly 10 is a simple, it's free. You, I, I think everyone who has employees should be sending it out where every single week on a Friday, it's mandatory to be filled out where it's one to 10, how's like the satisfaction of how happy are you? And if it's an eight or nine, whatever, what would make it a 10? What went wrong? You could ask a couple of questions even of being like, you know, what was your biggest struggle this week? What was your biggest win? It's mandatory to fill out. Now, when an employee comes to you six months from now and says they're not happy, and you go through the weekly tens, it's nine, 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 and happiness. You're like, what do you mean you're not happy? Like you just told me you're nines through across the board. <laughs> but then you could also monitor an employee starts going from a nine to an eight to a seven to a six. You could stop it. Something's happening. What's going on? How can I help you? And you start doing that. I don't. I don't think people do that enough. Like you said, I also think people don't send out NPS scores, which is you send to your clients every ninety days. Right, you send out a survey from them saying, "Hey, on a scale from one to ten, how happy are you with, with, um, with JPort Media?" Or you could even refer it in a different way. How likely are you to refer JPort Media to a client to a Ben? There's different ways to record it. And then the next question that pops up is, "What would make it a 10? Yep. If it's not a ten, the answer is, "What would make it a 10? So great. When a client sits there and says, "We're just not happy. We're going to go," you're like, "What do you mean?" You just show you put 10 every single quarter that we're hitting it out of the ballpark for you. Yeah. If it's a nine, you get the, you, the question that pops up is what would make it a 10? You get their feedback and you get to go in. And now the client feels a, that they're taken care of and B. So I think any business or anyone in the service business, forget just ages, anyone in the service that doesn't do an NPS score with their clients is, is ridiculous, is ridiculous. They're, they're missing out on a lot of opportunities. And anyone who doesn't do a weekly 10 with their employees or something like that, where they're getting some in- weekly feedback from their employees um, is missing out as well. What do you, uh, for the NPS thing with clients, um, I can't even remember the name of it. I can't remember. It's the, we use it too for ad leaks form thing. Delighted? No. Oh my God. I mean, we, we use Delighted. Christy, we slack the, me the name, but I can't remember it. Um, we use delighted. I'm sure there's many different ways. I know people who custom make their own, like they use click funnels and build it and build in a, a form inside, inside click funnels and they run it automated through, through their email. There's many different services that could do it, but important. Yeah. It's going to bug me now. I can't remember. It's, it's a huge one. It's a huge form thing where you set it up and you go from question to question. I, I, I'm, re- I'm, I can't believe I don't know. The not sur- not survey monkey. No. Uh, Oh my God, I'm about ready to call her and ask her. <laughs> we interrupt this. We interrupt this yeah. live streaming process. Please hold. <laughs> uh, I'll remember it and then it's going to bug me. I really like that. The thing I wonder about is, are people actually going to tell you the tr- truth? Do you see Do you see clients not putting in like the truth in there because they don't want? For sure. 
Like, I mean, but, but like we say the same thing. So like at the end of the day, if they're going to tell me they're unhappy yeah. and they give me a 10 and I'm like, they're like, I lied to you. I'd be like, well, pretty <laughs> like, like it's a weird, it's a weird yeah. response. Right. Like, yeah. Um, and, and the truth is like, we kind of find like, we kind of find the right clients. So I, I learned this, this method, Chet Holmes is actually, I think he's the one that created this um, from a method of like, when we get on a, on a, on a sales call with a prospect and they're starting to like, be all like hold everything to their chest. I immediately like, we interrupt and sit there and say, do you want to play poker or do you want to play doctor? And they sit there and say, what? And like, if you want to play poker, that's you hold your cards to your chest. You don't tell me anything. It's not going to go so far. I won't find out anything. I won't know if I could actually help you. So there's mm-hmm. going to be no point. And we just answer, we just end this call right now. I fold, right? Like that's playing poker. I fold, you could win and we walk away. Or do you want to play doctor where you actually tell me what's wrong? I help diagnose you and see if I could even prescribe a solution for you. Yep. Which one would you rather? And then they open up and then they start, they start answering. I think more, I think more marketers need to start treating themselves as doctors. And I've heard a lot of sales calls where they just try to push and sell versus actually seeing if they could even help them. So like before we even, if they're like, what's the price? I'm like, I don't even know if I can help you. Right. Like let's, let's worry about that first before price. Cause if I can't help you, it doesn't matter what my fees are. So, right. you know, type, it, form. type form, sorry, type form, type, type form. Yeah. Actually, so I don't know why I can do this. Yeah, so I mean, like, there's like, there's like so many different ways. Like, so I'm a big believer that we need to be more doctors. Like, doctors take the time. You sit there and say, "Well, what happens if you're not going to go on Slack? What happens if you're not going to go in the waiting room for the doctor? You don't get to see the doctor. That's it. Like, go find another doctor. I'm here to help you. Right? Yep. You come to me for my expertise because you need help with something. If I could help you, great. But you got to tell me what the problem is. Imagine going to a doctor and being like, "What's the prescription?" And you're like, what do you mean? Well, what do I do? They're like, well, where does it hurt? Like, tell me a little bit about it. And you just said, my shoulder hurts. They don't just sit there and say, take your word for it. They ask you a billion follow-up questions. How <laughs> does it hurt when you go like that, like that? Were you doing anything exercises recently? Can you do this? Can you do that? It's annoying. But then they know what the solution is for you. Yeah. I think more marketers need to play that role. Very good points. Uh, very good points. I... A lot of there's a lot. I'm going to send this to a lot of this actually podcast to a lot of people that I know because it's just a lot of things that I think that I know some of the agency owners in here are missing out on that they don't do. Um, like I had never honestly, I had never heard of NPS, it came up uh probably about a month, month and a half ago. That was the first time I had ever heard of it. Hmm. Um, and now this is the second time I've heard of it. So, um, some really, really good, good takeaways. Um, what would you say? I'll close this out because I know you're super, super busy. Um, well, we have a couple questions in here too. Um, yeah, no and then I have one. Well, let's let's close out, and then we'll, we'll. There's a couple questions. What are like the top three things? We covered a lot, but the top three things right now that somebody could implement. Probably, you know, not a lot of work, but that will make a big impact on their their numbers, their retention, client retention, their margins. Like what, what can they implement that's super easy to do? That'll make a, a very big impact that probably most people don't have in the small to medium sized agency world. Loaded question. I mean, ter- very loaded question in terms of retention. Um, 
no matter what, there's no substitute for results. You could, you could, you could get by on being a great person for only so long and they like you for only so long until finally the numbers don't make sense anymore. I think a lot of people get away. Like you could get a couple of extra months by just being a really good person and being like, man, we really like working with you, but just the results aren't there. So uh, there's no substitute for results. So no matter what, if it's not there, you deserve to be fired. And that's the truth. Um, But I think, I think if they do a good enough job educating their clients, right? Like I think, I think every agency should be updating and even if it's curated news, you get it from Alice, you get it from somewhere else and educating yeah. the client of what's going on. I think a lot of people don't want to do that because they feel like they're not going to look like the expert anymore. So they don't want to do that. But if you could educate your client on what's going on, it makes your life a lot easier because they're going to, they won't fight you as much, right? Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be less of a headache. So yeah. they, and they understand the word and they understand what's going on. So I think everyone should send like a weekly, like we call it our weekly roundup of like everything going on, things that are in the news, what's going on with different platforms. Even if it's platforms we're not paid to run on, we just yep. keep them abreast of what's going on. We want to be seen as that expert to them yep. in the field. If they have any questions, they could come to us. Um, and then communication, right? Like I, I think I think just look at your line of communication. When, when I see a Slack channel isn't communicating enough, I'll just find an article and put it in there. Right. And something, because no communication, everyone's like, oh man, I don't talk to this client. No communication is really bad. If a client's not communicating with you, it's bad. No matter how good the results are, they're not communicating with you, it's bad. Because it means like they just don't have that relationship with you. Right. So all things being equal, they'll go find someone cheaper. If results are great, that's how you move on. So just how do you keep staying in front of them um, with, with, by being an expert? In terms of like lead generation, I think people are very lazy. I think make your dream 100, send out direct mail, send out packages to people. Uh, find creative ways to follow up and, and do all those things. I mean, we had a client, one of my coaching clients was like, uh, I don't know how to get, I tried everything to get more leads. I'm like, have you sent out direct mail? And like, what do you mean? So they're like, no, we haven't done that. So I, I proved the point. I sent out a hundred letters myself. We closed mm-hmm. two clients off, off that hundred. Now that's not a lot, but it's a dream 100, right? So those are like, those are like people that have reached out for that are big. I'm not talking Nike, right? Like you can't think like that's not, that's not realistic. But a dream 100 yeah. and just from one letter and then follow up with that with another letter. It's a sales letter. It's like, hey, yeah. I'm Jason. You know, I love what you're doing with XYZ. I believe I could, you know, help you grow the brand. Are you very interested in having a conversation? Here's a link to my calendar or whatever. Like talk in all boxes, all these things. Send out newsletters to your clients to stay on top so that you're always top of mind with them. Um, just out of the box ways. I think, you know, I had this conversation earlier today. I think business owners just become lazy. I agree. I think it's easy to get in a comfort zone of like where you get comfortable. And you it's don't... a false, it's a false positive. Yeah. Right. You're like, ah, oh, I have, I have clients. I'm happy. I don't need to do all this work. Things are good. It's a false positive. Right. Cause the second you're comfortable, your business is dead. Cause if two of those clients leave, you're now stuck and now you're going to go into panic mode and panic yep. mode means like you now need to create a pipeline. And to create a pipeline means you're now trying a million different things and, and you're and you're lost and you're now focused on, on something completely different. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't want that. I'd rather be pr- like like in front of as many people as possible and and yeah. work on it that way and, and and be able to dictate what I want. But or or they have or they have like what's called the rule of one. Anytime you're dependent on one thing, one client, one method, one this, you're screwed. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, no, man, this is, this is one of the best podcasts I've done in a while. I, there's a lot of stuff that I think a lot of people can pull from this that they can implement. Um, why don't you go ahead? I know you got a lot of stuff going on. So if you want to throw some plugs, I know you got podcasts, you got the agency, where can people find you? Yeah. Where they can they in touch with you? Yeah. I mean, easiest way to everything on there is like my agency and my coaching program and the podcast is on jportnoy.com, J-P-O-R-T-N-O-Y.com. Easiest way. Um, my podcast is called Perfectly Mentored, but it, there's a link to it on there. And at Jason Portman and across all social media channels, I'm more than happy to connect, more than happy to talk, more than happy to do anything, um, more than happy to get your feedback on my content. Um, but aside from that, I yeah. mean, that's that simple. But if you have questions that, that, that are in the group, I don't, I don't mind saying a few more minutes to, to answering if there's any questions in there that you think are worthwhile. Yeah, a lot of them got answered already. There was... Um... Cool. Yeah, a lot of them were around the softwares and stuff. And then I think Christy kind of took care of a lot of those. Um, if you do have any questions, any more questions, feel free to drop them in the chat. And then we can take yeah, Jason. And, and, and or... Yeah, and tag me. Just tag me so I can, so I can answer them. Yeah. So I, see them. Well, I really appreciate it, man. Um, really, hey, my really pleasure. Fun. Yeah, next week. Yeah, thank we you for having really, me. Yeah, next week we do have a really um another good one. It's going to be on actual like for BFCM coming around the corner Q4 uh it's with Rita Ainsworth she is a basically like a uh I can't even remember the title but basically it's all around like keeping yourself sane through the busiest time of Q4 with some different things so it's something that we've never done kind of like this I think this was a very different outside you know typically it's a lot of media buying um we're trying to to evolve this podcast and get a lot of things that uh, people want more of so the ne- next week uh, we're going to drop the the link for next week's meeting, but it'll be a definitely different than what we're typically used to. And I think it'll help a lot of people from just a mental health standpoint of like how to stay sane uh, through these busy times coming around the fourth quarter. So I appreciate it, man. I really had a lot thank of fun. You. Uh, thank Keep up you. The awesome work. I love what you're doing here for the community. It's really good. Yeah. Thank you. Let's, let's connect. Uh, yeah, I'll for sure. Involved. All right, man. Thanks, bro. Take care.